Hi, it's Jack from the MMA Island Podcast. Before this video gets started, before you listen to the podcast, big shout out to our sponsors, BetUS. If you are going to place a bet on MMA, basically any sport, do it through them. Their, their program is so great. They have everything that you would need to make a bet, to, to look at the bet, the props, everything there. If you want to do a parlay, it's there. Please go through BetUS. The link is in our description, in our bio. It'll be on Instagram. You can find it everywhere. BetUS, big shout out to our sponsor. I'm Jack Kennedy, and they hit a lot harder in my opinion too. What is up everybody, my name is Kayla McNamara, and everyone's got a plan until they get hit with my views. I am Hunter Boss, he just wanted to go to the distance by the looks of it, but he couldn't even do that. And this is the MMA Island Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island Podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Kaylin McNamara and Hunter Boss. Well, UFC 266 is looming over us. It is this Saturday. We cannot wait, and we had a really great fight night last Saturday that we'll be going over to a loaded podcast. Let's get started with the news. Bill Davis beat Yoel Romero. Pretty shocking in Bellator. What do we think about this? Hunter, starting with you. Uh, the fight. It was clearly won by Phil Davis. I mean, he did a fantastic job. I don't know how it was a split decision victory. I really don't. Especially if one person has it 29, like 26. That's how you know there shouldn't be a split decision yeah. in there whatsoever. But um, Phil Davis did a fantastic job. You know, he ensued his will. He had some fantastic wrestling. You all had some big shots in the second round, but it wasn't enough. You know, Phil Davis, I got I to gotta give it to him. Uh, not a lot of people expected him to come out there and win. But Yoel Romero looked human out there. He, he looked human. He didn't look like this superhuman being that's been described on the Joe Rogan podcast. Granted, he is 44 now, which, you know, as it happens, old age is the MMA fighter's worst nightmare. But uh, Yoel, I think he has a few more fights in him. You know, I don't think that's his last fight. He was given a really tough matchup for his Bellator debut. And it's just, it's just, it's just hard to see him lose. So, Congrats to Phil Davis, but uh, I hope to see Yoel Romero back in the octagon scene or the circle, I guess. Well, no one saw this coming. Um, <laughs> dude, what a statement by Phil Davis. You know, again, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times talked about taking your opportunity in relation to the prime real estate of being on a big card and especially headlining the card. And Phil Davis did it down to a T. I mean, what a performance, first and foremost. To out-wrestle a wrestler like Yoel Romero is a special, special thing. And to be able to do it so convincingly, as Hunter just said, is worthy of applause to the finest degree. Um, how that was a split decision was just monstrous. That was some Adelaide Bird bullshit from boxing. Um, you know, again, like Hunter said, when it's 29-26, it's very, very clear who's winning that fight. Um, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to congratulate Phil Davis first because I think like a lot of fights, he's the one getting pushed to the side and the A side's getting talked about more from losing rather than the B side from winning. So huge congrats to Phil Davis. Amazing, amazing win. As for Yoel Romero, he looked every bit of 44, I have to say. And this is the first fight that I've really seen where it really looks like age is starting to catch up to him now. Again, as Hunter said, I couldn't have said it any better. Age is not a kind thing in combat sports. In fact, it's the one thing fighters try and put off longer than anything else. And we saw why. 
age, he looked slow, he looked sluggish, he looked gun-shy. Similarly to the Adesanya fight, he looked very unwilling to throw from where I was sitting. And it was it was disappointing because when one mentions you, El Romero, I mean, the images that come to mind, the rock hold fight, everything else. I mean, so many images are naturally conjured from that. This is not the same Yoel Romero. I'm concerned that this is just a byproduct of what has been. I really, really hope it's not. Like Hunter said again, I think he's certainly got a good two or three fights left in him. But Yoel Romero's really got to come out and show something in his next fight because the Adesanya fight, is one of the worst title fights that we've ever seen. I will go over that old ground again. And then again, in this fight, he got dominated when he was a massive favorite. So again, age is a factor. Damage is most definitely a factor. And Yoel Romero's 44 now. But if he's serious about this, he's got to come out with a huge statement next time he's in the octagon. Yeah, hey, I completely agree with you guys. This is a fight that's, one, we were going into it thinking... Okay, Yolo Romero, his light heavyweight debut in Bellator, he will get the win, right? Where we really shouldn't have been saying that. It's one in hindsight where we go back and think, oh, okay, it makes sense that this happened. Phil Davis is a very legit contender at Bellator, and he was a very legit contender in the UFC even when he left way back in the day. Uh, the big narrative coming into this was Yolo Romero has, is more powerful, which is true, and has a, a very significant wrestling advantage which I did not agree with coming into it. Phil Davis wrestled Division One at Peace Penn State and, and, and did very well. And that was his main thing in the UFC and throughout his Bellator career so far as his wrestling. And Yolo Romero moving up from 185 to 205. I didn't think that wrestling advantage was going to be, be there. Um, I thought it was going to be about even. I was wrong there because Phil Davis showed the wrestling advantage against uh, Yolo Romero and took him down multiple times and controlled the fight on the ground basically the entire time. Um so I think a lot of credit needs to be given to Phil Davis in this fight. Um, but it is frustrating. It's very, I think that's the word that kind of describes this fight. It's frustrating because we want to see more from Yolo Romero because you know it's there. You know the explosiveness is, is there, but he was just kind of holding back. It, it was very Adesanya fight feel to it. It was just he wasn't really doing anything, and Phil Davis was just doing enough of control, takedowns, and everything to get the clear decision. Um, that's the thing you guys already touched on, thing I don't need to touch on. I think the only reason – it went to a split decision is because Yolo Romero is such a big draw for Bellator that that had to be one of the judges is totally watching that being okay. Yoel did something. We got to give him that round. You know, that that's gotta be what it was, but um, definitely Phil Davis all the way. Um, I, and I agree with both of what you guys said. The end is not over for Yolo Romero. Um, his first fight since forever, not, not in the UFC at two Oh five. He's got to adjust to that. He's got to just start to let it go. Um, he's not facing chumps in Bellator, if that was his mindset. I don't know if that's his mindset or not, but he's not facing low-level opponents in Bellator. Phil Davis is legit, and he's going to be at that uh, point in Bellator. He's going to be fighting some guys that are absolutely legit. Um, last thing I want to say, too, is, I mean, you have Anthony Johnson out of the tournament. You have now Yolo Romero losing his first fight. It's kind of a disaster for Bellator right now. It's not over, but... And, and the next fight I think that needs to be booked is Anthony Johnson versus Yolo Romero that they tried to do in the tournament. Both fighters, ten, Anthony Johnson's coming off a win, but it wasn't very, it was not a good performance from him. Um, and obviously Yolo Romero right here. That's the fight to make. Match them up. That's what we want to see. And 
if Anthony Johnson won't get Yolo Romero going, no one will. Uh, and I think he will get going in his next fight. Future's bright for them. Future's bright for Bellator. Just a bit unfortunate so far for this main event. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Bellator is definitely going to do a matchup like that, Jack. I agree. They always do these like legendary matchups. Remember Chael Sonnen versus uh, Rampage Jackson or Chael Sonnen versus Vanderlei Silva. You know, they always, they always pull up these old legends up and they pair them up. It's going to sell good numbers and everyone's going to tune in to watch. But let's be honest, old age is catching up to them. Uh, Olympic, Yoel Romero is an Olympic wrestler. Um, but I guess if you don't practice that Olympic wrestling thoroughly, then you're not going to be able to wrestle and compete with Phil Davis. I mean, Phil Davis, like you said, Jack, Penn State wrestler, NCAA Division One. It's it's an amazing wrestler right there. And don't get me wrong, the Olympics is the Olympics. But when you fall in love with striking in the UFC and you are looking for that knockout with every single punch, your wrestling is kind of be going to be put on the back burner here. You're gonna you're gonna fall in love with strikes. You're not gonna want to wrestle. And when you do wrestle, you're going to feel out of shape. So I feel like that's what's happening. And what Yoel really needs to do is focus on his wrestling to be part of his game. You know, when UFC fighters get to this older age, their transition of fighting changes from a striking to a wrestler's point of view here. Look at Daniel Cormier. I mean, Daniel Cormier has always been a wrestler, but he really seriously utilized that wrestling when he came to those later fights in his career. Glover Teixeira, you know, Glover Teixeira is really utilizing his wrestling around. He's getting to the older age. I can go on and on about this, but the main line is you need to start wrestling, Yoel. I mean, it's 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 looking bad for your striking game if you're only landing a few big shots in the second round. So get to that get to those wrestling roots. You're gonna have a good time if you do that. If you don't do that, you're gonna find some misfortune uh, in that circle of the octagon. Yeah, I mean, it shows you how much we're all on the same page because I'm exactly in the same point as Hunter is on this. You know, the fact that Yoel Romero has not been exploiting his wrestling base pretty much for most of his career is beyond shocking to me. It really has. I mean, for so long, Yoel Romero has not hit the deck in a fight unless he's been knocked down or unless he's been taken down. He needs to be the one initiating that, not the one getting it initiated upon him. I mean, the guy is an Olympian. He's an Olympic wrestler, perhaps in terms of in terms of achievement, perhaps the only thing above being an NCAA Division I wrestler. Why he hasn't used that so much more often is probably something I'll never understand is the point that I'm making. But I really have to agree, you know, Yoel Romero needs to start using that. And what Yoel's forgetting as well is, is that we talked about this equation before. When you move up a division, the power translates with you because you're not cutting that power when you're cutting the weight. When you go up and wait or you stay in weight, the power goes up with you. So if Yoel Romero was breaking guys' jaws at 185, what do you think he'll do at 205 if he can get it together? But again, that's not something any of us can do for him. That's something only Yoel Romero could do. We can't get in the cage and fight for him. We can't get in the cage and make him throw that punch or throw that knee or land that double leg. That's on Yoel Romero. I mean, if he doesn't know how to do that by now, then, I mean, it's it's difficult to see a path to success for him if that is the case. But again, credit to Phil Davis. The guy's amazing. The guy's a stud and the guy's overlooked. I think in Bellator, there really could be a future champion there in Phil Davis. I think he's. I think his fundamentals are rock solid and I think he only really can expound on them from here. But 
I'm going to end my points on this, and it's a point that Hunter just made that I really, really like. Generally speaking, the longer their careers go on, wrestlers evolve. The best wrestlers have always been the best champions. Randy Couture evolved his game really, really well towards the end of his career. Daniel Cormier really started to get that dirty boxing going the longer his career went on. We saw it to some degree against John Jones. We saw it against Stipe in all three of those fights. The problem with Yoel Romero is that Yoel went so far the other way that he never left himself the space to evolve back to his base. Like you said, Hunter, and I honestly don't think you could have phrased this any better. I really got to give you credit for this. He, he fell so in love with the striking and the flying knees and the knockouts that he completely forgot what his biggest strength was, which was taking guys down and beating them up. And the problem is he's paying for that now because he doesn't have the longevity in his career to go back and evolve to that base again. So realistically, where UL goes from here is anybody's guess. He will still fight again. But in terms of style and stylistically matching up against people, only he can do what he needs to do, but he's got to evolve back to that base. Oh, yeah. Hey, you guys are absolutely right. The last thing I want to say, too, is he was able, if he wants to completely strike, that's fine, but he's got to defend the takedowns. That's what he's got to do. And at 185, he could do that mainly using his size. But now that he's at 205, he's got to go back to that technique, which is the hard thing because then you got to go, because he's not going to be, that I think is one of the most overlooked aspects of Yoel Romero right now is that he's not at 185 anymore. He's at a 205 pound weight class division where guys are not, he's not the biggest guy physically in that division anymore. He's average compared to everybody else, which is crazy to think about, but that's where it comes into the takedown, especially right there. Phil Davis, a guy that's high level fight IQ like that will take advantage of that. And that, I mean, that's the level Yoel Romero is going to be fighting at is that top 10 level in Bellator in that light heavyweight division. So He's got to work on his technique and let his hands go. I think that's the biggest thing. We want to see Yoel Romero throw. He has the power, like Keelan said. Um, so let's see what happens. Excited for his next fight for sure. All right, guys, you know what time it is. It's time for best of the best. And today we're talking UFC 266. Other than the main three fights, because we're all very excited for those. Hunter, starting with you, what fight are you most excited for? I'm going with Marlon Marais versus Marab Divchavali, dude. This oh, fight right. is going to be so fantastic. I can't tell you. I've been saying for years now, I think since 2018, when he got his three fight, he started going on his three fight winning streak. Marab Divchavali is going to be a problem for this weight division. Bantamweight, this guy has so many takedowns. He lands like seven takedowns per fight. I think that's his average, just seven takedowns per fight. At one point before the Marlon, not before the Marlon Marais fight, before the Cody Stanman fight, he had 54 takedowns out of seven fights. This guy is a takedown machine. And when we look at Marlon Marais, this poor guy, he's going to have a Henry Cejudo flashback this entire fight. He's going to be taken down and taken yeah. down and taken down. But if Mar Marlon Marais can keep the fight standing, Marab Divchavali, he, he can strike too. This guy is good everywhere. So, Marlon Marais got a tough fight in front of him, but I'm just happy to see Marab Divchavali back in the octagon and such, on such a big card. I think he's headlining the prelims, so make sure to tune into that fight, guys. Thanks for stating my pick, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> you got to choose no, another one. You got. I, I, le I left one good pick out there. I think Jack might take. There's take so it, many. There's so many. It's okay. We think the same. We think the same. This is a good thing. Um. Yeah, that was going to be my pick. I don't even have to elaborate on that because Hunter's done it for me very well, might I add. 
I there's two I could really go for, but I'm gonna go for I feel perhaps slightly more on un- unorthodox pick, and that's Dan Hooker and Nasrat Hagaras. Um, I mean, Dan Hooker, Dan Hooker has been going through the plot of planes, trains, and automobiles just to get to this fight, and if he pulls this off somehow, it's gonna be it's gonna be an amazing story, really all around. You know, Nasrat Hagaras has really been on a very very good run in the UFC, amazing kickboxer, amazing technique, manages the distance well and can close the show at the drop of a dime. Dan Hooker is one of the toughest human beings alive on planet Earth today, I think. You know, again, I, I hate to bring the name up, but every time I think of Bar- uh, every time I think of Hooker, I think of Edson Barbosa. And no one should have survived that onslaught. Dan Hooker should have been in the cemetery after what he went through. I don't through. want those images back in my head, Keelan. Come on. And yet, he, um, my point is he's still here. Yeah. And that's a testament to the kind of fighter that Dan Hooker is. And I think this fight is criminally going to fly under the radar. And I think we could have a fight at the night contender with this uh, fight. I really, really do. Because you have two guys who are stylistically quite similar, but who will bring the best out in each other. Because Dan Hooker doesn't take a step backwards. He didn't against Poirier. He didn't against uh, Barbosa. He doesn't against anybody, really. And Hak Prost is going to thrive off of that because he's a sniper. The question is for him, can he withstand the barrage of Dan Hooker? And can Hooker get the finish that he needs in this fight? I think this is a fight that's going to be slightly overlooked. I think it's a fight that should not be overlooked. I think this could be fight of the night contender here, guys. Yeah, hey, I, I love that. So those are my picks right there. I mean, that's that's number one. That's number two. But uh, there's so many fights on this card. So let me choose another one, right? Let's let's break down another one. And this one's on the main card, and this is a heavyweight fight. I'm sure this is what you guys oh, were yeah. thinking would be next, right? Curtis Blades versus Arzino, Rosenstruck. Now, if this was a fight night main event, I'm not excited for it, but this is on a pay-per-view. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Wow. We, we talked about this a little bit before, but this is a real fight where these guys need to get a win. This is absolutely necessary, and they need to put on a good performance of that as well. They cannot go out there. Curtis Blades cannot go out there and, and, and just take him down and sit there. Jorginho Rosenstruck cannot just sit back and wait for Curtis Blades to come to him and throw one punch per fight. These guys need to go out there and make a statement and that's going to be both of their mindsets going into it. Because we talked about this on the last podcast. We talked about this when this fight was booked a while ago. This might have been two months ago. But when we were talking about when we broke it down, this fight is so dangerous of becoming. If this fight is a sleeper, both of these guys, no matter who the winner is, falling completely out of the heavyweight title picture. With everything that's going on, especially, and this wasn't even since Cyril Gunn and, and, and uh, Derek Lewis fought for the interim belt. This was before that. With that now, this fight... The winner of this fight needs to put, make an absolute statement. They need to be going for the finish. It's only three rounds, so there's absolutely no excuses. And I think this fight will live up to the hype. It's on a pay-per-view. Nick Diaz fighting Volkanovski Ortega. The crowd will be electric, and they will put on an absolute show. I think this really could be another fight of the night contender. I think all these fights could be fight of the night contenders, and we have an absolutely stacked card at UFC 266. Agreed. And just to comment on the Dan Hooker fight real quick. Yeah. I really like how they are mixing up the rankings right now. I mean, oh, his yeah. opponent I love it. is unranked right now. And Dan Hooker, I think he's, I think, eight right now. Yeah. This is a fantastic opportunity. Um, Dan Hooker can't screw this up. I got to say that right now, though. Dan Hooker, poor guy. He's put on the death row of opponents right now. He His last three were quite insane. 
like right now, he's getting a bit of a step back here with an unranked opponent, which is nice to say, but it also very stressful coming into. So let's just see how Dan Hooker fights in this fight uh, this weekend. It's going to be fireworks, like Keelan said, and I really can't wait for the heavyweight fight either. Like this is going to be such a fantastic card from start to finish. You guys need to tune in and watch September 25th. Either be there or be square. Yeah, I mean, you can't say much more than that. Um, I'll end this real quick by talking about the heavyweight fight because I think that was all of our third pick, no matter yeah. what our first was. And Jack, I got to give you credit here because I think that was a really good concluding point by you. There cannot be a decision win here. I don't care who it's for. Who If this goes to a decision, both guys have lost automatically because this is a lot like middleweight a year a year or so ago now when we had Derek Brunson getting decisions and Marvin Vittori getting decisions. This has to stop. We need to start seeing finishes. Heavyweight is literally the division of finishes. Whenever there's a dry to finishes, albeit very rarely in any other division, we look to the heavyweights because that's always the division that gives us the finishes. And any guy who gets a decision win in a three-round heavyweight fight has lost automatically and they will be thrown out of title contention. I mean, like, I mean, I don't mean to give anybody Vietnam-esque flashbacks here, but Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou, I mean, at the time of that fight, they were probably number two and three ranked in that division, and they literally put on one of the worst fights that I've ever seen. And as a result, both guys were kind of blacklisted from contention for a good year or so. Yeah. This will happen again if there's a decision went to Curtis Blades and Rosenstrike. Like you said, Jack, and I've really, really got to agree with you on this, especially Rosenstrike cannot sit back and wait for the shot. He cannot do the Yoel Romero. He cannot do what Robbie Lawler's been doing recently, even though I love Robbie Lawler. Curtis Blades, yeah. Curtis Blades cannot sit down and wait on the takedown. He cannot keep shooting for the single leg and just tying up against the cage 30 seconds at a time because the crowd are going to start booing loudly if that happens. Don't get me wrong. We all appreciate really, really good wrestling. It's a fundamental part of mixed martial arts. But Curtis Blades is hiding behind it and he's trying to grind out decisions whilst not realizing that that's going to get him nowhere. My end point on this in the heavyweight fight is even if you lose and it's a great fight, you've won more than if you win a decision. This is what your focus has to be. I don't, it's not that I don't care. I don't mind who wins, but whoever wins, it needs to be a finish. It has to be. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. That's my point. It has to be a statement. This fight, they're, they're already fading out of the title contention with what's going on. I rank Volkov even though he's coming off a loss to Cyril Gaon, above both of these guys right now. And I would favor Volkov in a fight against both of these guys right now. They're fading out. The winner absolutely needs to make a huge statement. You were absolutely right on that. And let's go ahead and transition right into the discussion of the week. And, of course, we had to talk about Anthony Smith and his phenomenal performance uh, this past fight night. It's rare that we all get it exactly correct, but that's what happened. We all predicted what was going to happen, and that's what it did. Uh, That's the MMA Island Podcast. That's what we do. Um, So the question is, is Anthony Smith title ready right now? Hunter, what do you think? Yeah, it is rare that we get it all right, you know, including, you know, the main event and the the co-main event. Ion Cutabella. I don't know about that one, but uh, no, honestly, 
Anthony Smith did a fantastic job this weekend. Uh, he went out there and he showed us why he should be a champion, and he made his post-fight speech fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh yeah, he did it down to a T. I've never wanted to see Alexander Rockage fight more. I got to say that right now. I've never <laughs> seen it. Yes. Uh, Anthony Smith brutal. went out there and he fought like, like a champion. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, <laughs> it's what we do. I'm sorry, Alexander Rockage. It's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to, to be honest here, I I have never seen such a championship mentality in a fight like that. I yeah. have to say it was it was yeah. it was a main event, it was a fight night. But it, he Anthony Smith went out there and he looked like a champion. But does he have the ability to be a champion? That's the real question here. He's been under those bright lights before, and he messed up his opportunity, and then he messed up a few opportunities after that to regain his position. Right now, he's climbing back up that ladder, and I like Anthony Smith so much, I really do but I don't think he's at that championship level yet. I think he had a, I don't want to say an easy opponent because he was definitely not an easy opponent, but he didn't have an opponent to determine whether or not he could be at that championship level. He had an opponent to determine if he could be in the top 10 rankings, which he should be. Should it be in the top five rankings? I think he should be. Yeah. Top three. I don't know. I don't know. To be honest, Anthony Smith, he's got the championship man- mentality. I don't think he has that championship ability, and that's why I don't think he has championship material just quite yet. Give me one more fight with someone in the top five, and I will give you an answer right after that. It's very hard to argue with what Hunter's saying. I think that's a very fair position. I'm going to slightly disagree, though, not just for the purpose of having a good episode, but because I genuinely do think Anthony Smith is perhaps in a better place than we're giving him credit for I mean, Return of the Mac is the appropriate walkout song because the Mac is back. Anthony Smith looks like a world beater right now. And yes, it was Ryan Spam. And yes, we were all equally emphatic about how the fight was going to end. And it did, where the oracles basically call us what you will. But it happened. It happened the way we said it would. And it did indeed. By the way, on a point of order, what an amazing post-fight speech by Anthony Smith. It was perfect, yeah. I got to be honest with you guys. I think this is the first time since Anderson Silva, you absolutely suck, that someone's cut such a good promo immediately after a fight. I think this was amazing. It was genuine. It was heartfelt. He's a really, really nice guy who's honestly pissed off because he keeps getting overlooked. This is what we love to see from Anthony Smith. And it's that fire and it's that change of persona that makes me think he is championship ready. Jimmy Crute landed one of the cleanest leg kicks I've ever seen to blow his leg out. Ryan Spann, perhaps not the best light heavyweight. I'm more than give you that. But clean, clean jiu-jitsu. Rear naked choke in the first round. Didn't break a sweat, really, if we're being honest. And the post-fight call-out was absolutely pristine from Anthony Smith. It was organic, it was intelligent, and it was perfect. Called out Alexander Rakic, responded on the spot without having to think. Merry Christmas to me. Perfect. Sets it up for December. I mean, you can't write this any better. Anthony Smith deserves so much credit for that. But back to the actual question of the discussion of the week. I do think he is championship ready. And I think it's that experience under the bright lights that makes him so. Because he's got one thing that none of the other contenders do right now. And he has that experience. He has that intensity of scrutiny under the lights. And he did it against John Jones, of all people, no less. And he's still stuck in there and he still lasted all five rounds. 
how many of these guys would you do have to ask yourself that question also and again you know this is one of the many many reasons i love anthony smith but he couldn't he could have been the champion right now he could have taken that knee but to his immense credit he did not anyway that's not quite the point that we're making here the point is i think he is championship caliber I think he's been through the fire. I think he's grown exponentially as a fighter from it. He certainly hasn't shrunk. I mean, yes, he went through a difficult period, but who wouldn't? Yeah. He got a title shot against the GOAT of light heavyweight. No one would argue that. And then he went through a little bit of a free fall that every fighter does. I think it's how you come back. And I think the comeback from Anthony Smith has been as impressive as from anyone I've ever seen. And I think, okay, yes, you have Jerry Prohaska, you have Rakic, kind of and you've perhaps got johnny walker in that mix too maybe would many of them would he beat many of them only time will tell but does he have a experience over, over them yes he does that's a yeah. tough one yeah hey I, I mean you guys nailed it so i am leaning on hunter's side for this one not because i don't think he has the championship mentality i think he has that championship mentality yeah, even more so than when he fought john jones and made that title run i think he's mentally sound and i think he's physically better now than he's ever been before in his career but i think to see that rocket fight i think that rocket fight will absolutely prove if he is championship ready because he's his two comeback fights have been against jimmy crew who is a legit contender and he will be back and i do think he will be up there in the top five possibly very soon ryan span i think he's better than a lot of people give him credit for and you know but anthony smith did what he was supposed to do in that fight I think against Rockich, who, despite everything we say about him on this podcast, is a legit fighter. There is a reason he's in a spot. So that is the fight to make. I love that Rockich responded. I mean, again, and you guys already said it, but watching that 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 post-fight interview was so perfect. It was literally just brilliant from Anthony Smith. And he is the biggest thing that he doesn't get credit for is how intelligent he is. He yeah. is such oh, yeah. a smart just human being in general. There's a reason he's an analyst uh, doing fight nights. There's a reason he's, he's doing that stuff. And that post fight, it was calculated. It was perfect. And the way he fights is calculated and, 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 you know, how he looked against Brian Spam was really good as well. Um, so I I'm leaning on Hunter's side here. I, I, I would love to see him against Rockage, and that's the fight that they're going to make. And I'm so excited for that. I also love that. That basically solidifies that Yuri Prohaska is, uh, next in line for the title after Glover versus uh, Jan Blachowicz. I don't know if you guys saw the Anthony Smith uh, post-fight thing where he was at the desk. He was talking about it. He's like, so we got, you know, Jan versus Glover, and then Yuri's next, and then me versus Rakic next. And I love that. And I think that's – he's exactly right. I think he's being realistic, and I think that's what's up. Um, so he is in a title eliminator fight next. I want to give all the credit in the world to Anthony Smith because of what he's done in his career. After he lost to Glover to Shara. I thought it was done for Anthony Smith. I didn't think he would be able to mentally recover from that, but sure enough, he's done it and he looks better than ever. I love this version of Anthony Smith. He's such a great guy and I wish him all the best against Alexander Rakic. And that fight is going to be so good in December. Um, So all the credit to Anthony Smith. My answer to this question overall is we do not know yet, but we will in December and I cannot wait. Yeah, I agree. Um, there are very few post-fight interviews that rival Anthony Smith's he just did. That that's yeah. from the Chiel Sonnen era. I would say one that you that, that uh, there's only one I can even think of in the past five years that could rival it, and that is Michael Chandler's debut um when he that beat Dan Hooker. I thought I thought that was a fantastic one as well. 
Uh, it seemed kind of scripted. Anthony seemed really real, though, so I got to give it there. Um, Anthony Smith, we've said it once, we'll say it again. He is one of the smartest guys in MMA. I mean, he really is. The way he holds himself, the way he carries himself. And can I just say, a smart Anthony Smith is dangerous, but an angry Anthony Smith? Oh, yeah. Oh, he looked oh, like yeah. he was going to kill anyone who got in his way, and I believed it. Like he I got the proper motivation. Exactly. Like, that's where I mean, yeah. So some motivation you need to just you got to get from really deep down for yep. Anthony Smith, you got to be pissed off. And yep. a pissed off Anthony Smith, I'm gonna agree with Keelan here. A pissed off Anthony Smith, he's championship ready. A smart Anthony Smith, sure he's championship ready too. But you combine those two, and you got a you got a storm like no other in the light heavyweight division. We thought Yuri Prohaska was the next best thing for the light heavyweight division. Anthony Smith is right on the cuffs of achieving that. Just we want to see one more fight. Yep. Yep. I'll tell you what, I think that's a really good distinction to make because we've got ESPN, Anthony Smith, who's yep. Bruce Banner, and then we've got the Hulk that we saw on Saturday night. Yeah, that's a good the one. Hulk, that's the a Hulk good one. is one of the most amazingly intense things that I've ever seen. Because we know Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith really is an embodiment of what mixed martial arts is all about. And I look like he wanted to tap out Ryan Spann again after he just done it. We've never seen that from Anthony Smith. He's ticked off, and I like it. I like the anger. I like the motivation because it's bringing the best out in him. And quite frankly, that on all right, yes, look, we all agree on this, and we're going to be honest. Ryan Spann's not going to be the toughest fight that Anthony Smith ever has. He's never going to be the ultimate litmus test. Nobody would argue with that. But Anthony Smith there just absolutely ran him over with ease and if you apply angry anthony smith to any of the top three or four light heavyweights right now i think you've really got a problem on your hands i genuinely do because anthony smith is intelligent enough to channel the anger into performing amazingly this is where i make the difference between people like anthony smith and people like Ian kuchalaba who won in the co-main event we don't talk about that. That didn't yeah. happen. All right. Yeah, we don't we don't we don't talk about this, but let's just say you can make the different you can make the distinguishment that you know happens. Anthony Smith is intelligent enough to translate anger into results. And if we see that against Ryan Spann and against Jimmy Crude, I think he's got a really, really good chance against the top guys. That's why I'm so happy he called out Alexander Rakic, who, regardless of personal feeling about his fighting style, is probably what does he rank now? Number two or three? I think he's, uh, he is currently ranked number three. So he's the third ranked light heavyweight in the world. Perfect call out. Makes a lot of sense. This fight in December is the litmus test for Anthony Smith. If he gets through Rakic, he'll win the title at some point. I do think that. Yeah. Hey, I love what you guys said. And you're absolutely right. Last thing I want to touch on too, uh, following angry Anthony Smith, right? I don't know what you guys think about it, but I'm totally fine with what happened after the fight, like the whole yeah. way and everything. Like, hey, hugged after. Let's be no, real. No, it was good. It was just that that raw emotion right there. And what I found was absolutely hilarious was when Ryan Ryan Span got up and like shushed him. Was like, dude, you just got tapped out. Like, what <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, but um, I, that was just raw, and that is the Anthony Smith that we need to see that passion behind him. I legitimately agree with you guys. Um, and, and yeah, they made up for it after everything was good, but with Ryan, I, Ryan spam was totally disrespect. Like, that's what it was. He was disrespecting him. I and mean, he was calling him, like an old dog, whatever he wasn't trash talking before. And he wouldn't look him in the face, even at the final fight stare down whenever it was going on. So yeah, I, I totally get that. And I love that motivation from Anthony Smith. Yeah. 
Dude, someone needs, you know, the SpongeBob memes. Someone needs to make a meme of Anthony Smith, ESPN Anthony Smith shaking his hand, John yeah. Jones Anthony Smith angry, and then Ryan Spann Anthony Smith with a headband like Rambo. That's what he is. <laughs> My guy is evolving. I'm telling you, he, yeah. I, I really think he could be up there for sure. But yeah. you're absolutely right as well, Jack, about the post fight. I'm not mad at it. In fact, I'm actually happy at it. Because it's not like the person who shall not be named in the Kumian event, who's going around acting like an idiot for no reason. The anger was organic and it was legitimate and it was justified. That's what we want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, absolutely. Well, phenomenal podcast, guys. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. As always, please make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. You can listen to us everywhere, literally everywhere, including iTunes and Spotify. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at MMA.Island and follow us on our website, MMAIsland.net. Big shout out to our sponsors, BetUS. If you're going to bet, bet through them. Great stuff. As always, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Great podcast, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.